all-new, crisp, cool, refreshing Cano Tambos. A complete affordable library of tambourine loops from 50 to 154 beats per minute. Pop the top and add instant life and dynamics to any mix. Used by the top producers, engineers, and recording artists of today. Simply drag and drop. With multiple bit depths and sample rates to choose from, you'll never have to record another tambourine again. Visit canotambos.com. That's C-A-N-O-T-A-M-B-O-S.com and enter promo code Turned Up. One word, Turned Up, for 20% off. Canotambos. And I'll just start this. Are you there? Hey, hey. I'm over here. I'm down here on the blue track. So for a while, Liberace actually adopted the stage name Walter Buster Keys. Y'all ready to do this? Broadcasting from Nashville, Tennessee, offering a glimpse inside the music industry, shedding light on things they don't want you to know, and exposing some of the industry's biggest secrets. You're listening to the Turned Up Podcast, presented by Real Sound Productions. Here are your hosts, Jake Jones. You went up, I went down. And Robert Venable. I like how we harmonized on that second line there. Yeah, I didn't know what you were going to do. I was like for a minute sweaty, but we got there. Do you need a towel? Uh, I have these two right here, which should be just fine. Okay. Whew. I'm just going to wring it out onto the floor. Robert. What? Jake. This is about to be one of the weirdest podcasts we have ever done. Intentionally. We planned this out. We sought after something interesting and kind of uncomfortable to speak about. And I think this might take the cake. So uh, to give you full credit, because give credit where credit is due this absolutely was your idea um and awesome just throw me under the bus <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, so look, this is really really weird listen i'm not mad about it. it it's uh okay let's just start from the beginning jake there's a guy and his name was liberace and i think it's a household name everybody knows that the name liberace but no one really i mean not a lot of people in our generations know who liberace is um, and before you turn that dial, I need you to know that Liberace, if he were just who we think he was, uh, a podcast about that guy would be really boring. Yeah. I mean, it would just be your typical Hollywood musician, actor, who was super famous. this piano player. But. Oh, it's going to get weird. It's going to get really, really super weird. And you're going to think there's no way that's true. Um, but this guy had a lot of very weird things that. I, you just have to listen to this. So, you, you can't even make it up. Hang on to your biscuits. Both and of the biscuits. There is only one thing more weird than Liberace, and it's Robert Venable sitting right across from me. Yo! Uh, an extremely accomplished producer, engineer, songwriter with Shoalsville Music Publishing. Shout out to Chad Green, drummer for the band As We Ascend, uh, having a vast history um, as a drummer for far more famous bands whose name we cannot mention here. Lucille and the Starlighters. <laughs> I just made that up. If that's a real band name, I'm probably going to get sued. If it's not, then Let's watch iTunes for Lucille and the Starlighters. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, but the guy, he's got credits, awards, accolades, gold records, Grammy nominations, Dove Awards uh, for his work with some of the biggest names in the music industry. Robert Venable is a legend in the flesh and a force to be reckoned with. Uh, one of my favorite things about him, though, is that he actually is a pianist, and he's been doing uh, actually Liberace covers <laughs> and shows uh, in downtown Reno for the last three years, but only in June. And I haven't been able to figure out why only in June. 
Um, but you said today you were going to tell us. This is the big reveal. Um, if you don't know much about Liberace, which I'm not expecting you to, um, like myself, you don't know that June was his favorite month. And uh, I think we're going to uncover a little bit about why today in the podcast. Probably not because we're making this up. However, because June was his favorite month in my mind, um, I, a lot of speculation around that, there were, it's one of 12 months that he had narrowed it down to being his favorite. You got a one in 12 shot of, of getting that right. Yeah, so I'm going with June, which I think is probably it. I feel like a quick Google search would show us that it was, it was um, December. December. The one with the R at the end of it. <laughs> um, and uh, so, yeah, go out there to Nevada and... Whip up the old ivories and uh, tickle them a little bit. And I like to do a lot of... My favorite Liberace song um, is this one. Let me just pull up to the piano thing here. Is this plugged in? Okay, cool. Hold on. Here we go. Thank you. Dude. Do you need my towels? Do you need my pit towels? It's beautiful. Thank Give you. me one of those towels. Yeah, here, this one's already wet. <laughs> <laughs> Jake Jones, the comedian sitting before me and sometimes after me, is the guy who just made fun of the fact that I like to play piano covers of Liberace and June. How dare you break wind before me? <laughs> Sorry, babe, I didn't know it was your turn. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was an Austin Powers quote, wasn't it? Yes. It just came out naturally. I don't remember where it was from. Oh, I think, one of my favorite movies the, of all time. Like I was saying, Jake Jones, the one and the only songwriter uh, with a publishing deal with Shoalsville Music, the singer, frontman, uh, one of the two frontmen, um, and singers, and guitarists of the band As We Ascend, formerly of We As Human, which toured all over this planet um, in the biggest arenas with all the coolest bands as well. Um, the collector of Belly Button Lint, that is not his special thing I'm going to talk about later. Um, dude's got number one uh, Billboard charting songs that he's mixed, produced, co-written, and, and uh, done all the things to. Played on um, a whole wall of axes over there um, and guitars. <laughs> and, um, and we're sitting in your beautiful recording studio right now recording this podcast. But one thing that I wanted to talk about, Jake, and we haven't brought this up um, really in detail. We touched on it a little bit in a previous podcast, but you actually um, made a living for a long time taking photos in Akron, Ohio, outside of the uh, stairs of City Hall, um, only taking pictures of uh, world records that are set on that staircase at Akron, Ohio's um, City Hall. So could you please expound on some of those uh, world records that you took photos of? Yes, actually. So it's a very, very short career. And I don't just mean short time-wise, although it was very short, one world record. I also mean very short height-wise. Uh, I think I know what you're speaking of here. The world record that I took a photo of was actually held by you, which is no longer held by you, unfortunately. Yeah, I had to come clean on that one. Um, uh, I, who was it? Uh, Dale. Anyway. Oh, yeah, that guy. Uh, truly wonderful man. Um, Gentleman and a scholar. Unfortunate what happened to him. But the world record that I took the photo of was for the smallest blanket ever to be used on a cricket while jumping off of a step at the bottom of the courthouse in Akron, Ohio. Yeah, right by City Hall. Yeah, so it was good, man. It's It was tough retiring after that one. Of all the photos I had taken, that was the one. That was one of them, um, of all the ones you took. And, and uh, one that I will never forget, nor do I remember. I feel like, I feel like you've said too much. I absolutely have. I think we should probably move on. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, this is about Liberace. 
the guy known for his piano and like over the top gimmicky piano performances, um, even though he was classically trained, he was something. He was a crooner. He was a womanizer. He was a lot more than that. Um, <laughs> and I, I, I'm scared to give too much away because this is going to get weird. And I, should we warn people? Should we tell them? Like, I, I mean, this. We're going to keep it clean. It's going to be clean. But the content will definitely be a little bit on the mature side. Maybe listen to it first before listening to it on the way to taking your kids to school. Because, um, I mean, some people fall in line with, okay, listening to this kind of thing. Some people are like, this might be weird. Some people are like, who cares? I, I, we don't know you all individually, but we're trying. And uh, so you might want to just kind of screen this one. Um, just because it's going to get kind of just, it's just going to get weird. It is. So Liberace, if you see it spelled, it looks like it's Liberace. 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 Library. Library. No, I see. That's what you were saying. You were trying to read Liberace. You were just way off. No, I was talking about the place with the books, the library. Oh, yeah. And then what's the person who works there called? A librarian? <laughs> it sounds like it could be the name of actually some kind of job title. I'm a librarian. <laughs> I'm a uh, conservative librarian. <laughs> libations? I, I do. I research libations. I'm a liba- librarian. A libationist. Libationist. Just like you're a guitarist and I'm a drumist. I thought you were a rapist. That's not me, man. <laughs> <laughs> Although Liberace, maybe. Ooh. Let's just jump in. Let's start with, let's rewind and go back to a dark and stormy night. Back in the year was, go ahead and picture this, 1919. I want to hear you pronounce his first name. This says, okay. Mm. It was May 16th, 1919. The wind was from the southwest at approximately 16 miles an hour. <laughs> Humidity was in the air, but barely. In Akron, Ohio. Um, no, was actually in West Allis, Wisconsin. Um, so up north, not as they horribly say. far away. Not from, not north. far from up north. Two, three miles away from the border. <laughs> or no, I don't even know where West Allis is. <laughs> However, this guy, Liberace, his first name. Oh man. Okay, I'm going to spell this, but I don't even know how to spell it properly because the second letter is a character that we don't have in the American alphabet. I'll make this really easy for you because I caught it. I caught it when uh, while watching a movie called Behind the Candelabra. Yeah, it's, uh, that's on uh, Amazon Prime right now. You can watch it if you have a Prime membership, or you can just you know pay a couple bucks and watch it on YouTube or whatever. And if this story interests you, I will say before I I pronounce his name, uh, I will say that I was surprised at how closely the movie. Uh, follows the book that was written by uh the main character played by um matt damon matt damon um scott uh thurman thorson yeah scott thorson um but his because i i don't know if it's because nobody knew how to pronounce it or if it's because this is the closest english pronunciation uh but it was walter that's not how you pronounce it walter liberace it's w what was his american name that was like his that's what his family called him is like and his friends called him Lee, right? Probably for Liberace Lee, L I. Um, but so his first name is W, and it looks like an L with a slash through it and an extra line on top, and yeah, like in a backwards little tilde. I don't know, A D Z I U. So we're gonna say Volazio. That's Walter. Uh, okay, and his middle name is Valentino. <laughs> um, so his mom was Polish and his dad was Italian, both immigrants, and uh, yeah, like he was born um, in America, the great U.S. of A. Marca. Uh, not too far from Milwaukee, I don't think, uh, based off of his future performances we'll get to. Um, yeah, in West Allis, Wisconsin. 
And he was born what they say in cowl, which is literally meaning helmeted head, uh, which one in 80,000 babies are born with. Um, and some cultures believe it's good luck, good fortune, good fame. You're destined to be something big. But basically, you're born inside the, like the, the sack still. Um, and part of it, like the layer is still on your head like a helmet. And it's totally fine. Nothing goes wrong. It's just the way it breaks open and stays attached to the baby's skull. Um, just looks like a little extra helmet there. And, and that's how he was born. And, uh, I mean, apparently it was true. Whether it's true or not, it definitely seems to be so in this instance. Um, luck started already because he had a twin that <laughs> died at birth. He won. He won. <laughs> <laughs> he won the first battle. They had a lightsaber fight. <laughs> in, and, in, the, uh, in Euro, in, in the room. And because he had a helmet on his head. Oh, that's true. He, he won. Maybe he was in full body armor, and that was just what he was stripped down to at the time of birth. So we already talked about his nicknames. He was he was Walter to his family because that other name's way too hard to say. Loves you, <laughs> but Lee uh, is what all his friends and and close people called him. Yeah, he was rumored to be not quite a savant, but a child prodigy. Like if YouTube were a thing back in 1919 when he was born, so let's say 19, uh, 1923 when he was four years old, um, he would have had his own YouTube channel with uh, tens of twenties of followers. So a question, what, I mean, what was the, like, where did people get their entertainment? Like, where did you get your entertainment back in 1923? Uh, I'd sit by edges of creeks and riverbeds and it was like a motion picture. You just watched the water go. You're like, oh, cool, look, a leaf. Huh. Okay. And then you go, oh, look, another leaf. Mm -hmm. Bird, leaf, small pebble. The small pebbles didn't really move. They just sat there. But when you'd find one, you'd call it out. Kind of like when you're a dad and you're driving down the road, you have to call it out if you see a cow. Hey, look, guys, a cow. That makes sense. No one ever replies. I can relate with that. But you do have to call it out. If you see a cow, you have to go, look, cows. It's a a rule. Yeah. Unspoken or spoken. It's in the dad book. Um, Did you eat paint chips as a kid? They weren't around. <laughs> Not when you were a kid. Yeah. There were, there, no chips were around when I was a kid. Okay. So he's been playing piano since he was four years old and was freaking amazing. Yep. And then uh, by age seven, he was actually capable of memorizing difficult piano pieces. Um, and he specifically was studying the technique of the Polish pianist. Go ahead and pronounce this name, Jake. Ignacy Pederuski. Ignacy Pederuski. Yeah. I don't know. Sometimes the W's right before a ski makes a V sound. Like I, I know in Polish it does. So, um, and maybe it's Paderewski. That makes more sense. My wife's last name, um, maiden name was something really weird and pronounced nothing like how, I mean, it was weird. I was way off the first time I tried. <laughs> um, so then at age eight, a year later, he actually got to meet Paderewski or however we're going to pronounce that name, uh, backstage after one of his concerts. And he said, quote, I was intoxicated by the joy I got from the great virtuosos playing. My dreams were filled with fantasies of following his footsteps. Inspired and fired with ambition, I began to practice with a fervor that made my previous interest in the piano look like neglect. So pretty bold statement. We're going to get to this uh, a little bit later, but there's a similar story that a very famous uh, pianist and singer has. Oh, yeah. uh, Who very much so followed in the footsteps of Mr. Liberace. True statement. We'll get there. But yeah. Very, very interesting to see that. So 
Uh, he actually gained his experience playing popular music in theaters on local radio for dancing classes, for clubs, and for weddings. Uh, eventually, Liberace performed in uh, cabarets and strip clubs. Yeah, his parents weren't exactly thrilled about that. But, I mean, hey, he was making a good living. So, like, like Liberace. <laughs> little Libby. Little Libby. Little Walter Lee. Well, and, and it makes sense, uh, kind of seeing what, how, how his later life turned out, that he got his start in some odd places like that. Some very glamorous locations with... Fabulous. With shiny stages. Um, Glitter yes. everywhere. <laughs> Coming up to stage number two, Liberace. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> except back then it was like... I'm just happy about that. <laughs> I'm just going to leave that there. New show intro? <laughs> Weird cabaret music from the early the early 30s. Oh man. Um so for a while Liberace actually adopted the stage name Walter Buster Keys, um which is a very interesting name for any kind of pianist or performer. Um but he had a way of turning like eccentricities into attention getting uh practices like Things that, I guess, think Lady Gaga, like a meat suit. That's great. Or even like, um, oh, Elton John. Yeah, that's a, that's another great example. Great Just example. Taking things. Just throw that one out there. <laughs> You're throwing a lot of things out there. I have to reel them back in, in a little bit. Um, so yeah, he had that. And then in 1937, after you know a traditional piano concert, he got his first encore, his first real encore. Everybody stood up and keep going, one more song. One more song. I don't know if that's really what they yelled, but that's what they yell these days, apparently. Um, so he played the comedic song, Three Little Fishies. This song may sound very odd to you, but there's a reason we'll explain to you. You've heard Pig Latin. Iggy Piggy at Lane. Double talk. I see you on a ton of time. Alfalfa talk. Alfalfa back at But here's a new one. It's Fishy Talk. We'll sing it now for you. Well, that was certainly was interesting, but he played that song in uh, like styles of different, like several different classical composers, um, people who are familiar at the time, but uh, as being from, I don't know, a long, like centuries before. He would play that song in different styles, like here is Chopin playing Three Little Fishies. That kind of thing. <laughs> It'd be like us playing Twinkle Twinkle Little Star. Um, and it, well, it's like the YouTube. You see the oh, YouTube yeah, the, guys, you know, they're like, and we'll do it like rap and we'll do it like yeah. Creed or like Nickelback. Or, Here's Nickelback's photograph in the style of Snoop Dogg. Yeah. yeah that kind of thing. That, that makes sense. So in January 1940, he was 20 years old uh, and he played with the Chicago Symphony Orchestra uh, at Paps Theater in Milwaukee. Um, <laughs> and that kind of kicked off his, his touring career there in the Midwest. Um, and then between 1942 and 1944, Liberace moved from straight classical performance and actually reinvented his whole act uh, to one featuring what he says, quote, pop with a little bit of classics, or as he also called it, quote, classical music with the boring parts left out. That's my kind of classical music. <laughs> um, but he actually started struggling a little bit after that in the early to mid-1940s. Um, and tried to find a way to reinvent himself. And he did this a lot in his career, so you'll see a pattern developing. That uh, makes total sense. In the late 40s, he started playing in clubs in New York City, and he was mixing stuff like uh, Chopin with 
home on the range, um, <laughs> which would just be, yeah. I hope there's a recording of that somewhere. I hope. We should probably try to find that too. Um, so for a while, he played piano along with uh, a phonograph on stage, which is not uncommon to what we do these days. I heard about that. Like instead of backing tracks, he, yeah, he played the, put a record on and uh, ended up starting to take requests from the, from the audience and interacting with them on a more personal level, including kind of giving piano lessons to random people from the audience, just calling up there like, hey, let's, let me teach you how to play something real quick. Which is crazy, and, and I think uh, you can kind of look at that and, and say, it, it. oh, wow, he's really reaching the bottom of the barrel, but it started getting him a whole lot of publicity. Yeah, he started refining his act, trying to class it up a little bit, as he called it. Um, that's where he added his famous candelabrum, um, the, the big candelabra, the, the big, you know, think of a menorah, one of those kind of things, but bigger with a lot of little candles in it. Um, and that was like his trademark branding logo icon thing that he had going on. Um, and started wearing bright white bow tie and tuxedo tails to be more visible on large stages and uh, big performing areas. So by 1947, he was going strictly just by Liberace. No more Buster Keys. <laughs> no more, no more, yeah, Walter Rest in Buster peace, Keys. Walter, yeah. Uh, he bought a rare, oversized, gold leaf uh, Bluthner Grand. Uh, I'm going to say Bluthner. It's my best. It looks like Bluthner. Best attempt. Not familiar with the piano. Grand is in, yeah, Grand Piano. And then he bought more extravagant, custom-decorated pianos, uh, some encrusted with rhinestones and mirrors. And you can find these, you do a quick Google search of Liberace, you'll see him sitting at some very ridiculously uh, bedazzled Grand Pianos. <laughs> it's kind of funny. Yes, his, rhinestones were, were absolutely his trademark. Uh, his New York City performance at Madison Square Garden, the, the huge venue that everybody wants to play at sometime in their life, um, in the year of 1954, in the year of our Lord, earned him a record $138,000, which is equivalent to about $1.26 million today for just one performance. Wow. I mean, he was on top of his game uh, for a while. You know, like I said, hit or miss, it come up, come and go and have to revamp his career every now and then. Um, but he was actually mentioned as a sex symbol in the Cordette's 1954 number one hit, Mr. Sandman. They actually drop his name. So in... Uh well, from like the 1950s until the uh, late 70s, I think, uh, Liberace was the absolute highest paid musician in the world. It's crazy. I, I, like I said, I knew the name Liberace. And until I saw that movie, uh, Behind the Candelabra, and then started doing this research, I had never really known that much about it. And I, Stay with us. We're going to get into some crazy stuff. But I didn't know, I didn't know that he was that big. I didn't even know that he was famous for piano. Like, I've always heard the name Liberace, but you always hear it associated with all kinds of things. Sure, and we'll um, get into that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so by 1955, he was making over a million bucks per year from public appearances and millions from television. We'll get into television in a second. Um, critics loved him and hated him and loved to hate him. Um, he would always say, I know I'm a gimmick, but I laugh all the way to the bank. And uh, later he read a very critical review um, from somebody, I read an article, and, and he started saying, he amended it to, now I cry all the way to the bank. And then even a more critical <laughs> review later, um, an appearance on Tonight Show, uh, some years later, Liberace re-ran the quote by Johnny Carson and finished it by saying, I don't cry all the way, all the way to the bank anymore. Uh, I bought the bank. <laughs> <laughs> Boom, uh, mic drop. Mic drop. That was a burn back in the, I don't know, what, 60s, 50s, late 50s, whenever that was. So uh, he actually had his own show. He did. The Liberace Show. It's one of my favorite ones. I remember when that came out. <laughs> um, it began July 1st, uh, right after his favorite month of June of 1952. 
but did not lead to a regular network series. It was actually just a 15-minute long show and select markets that would pick it up. So his first two years' earnings uh, from that TV show netted him $7 million, um, which I can't even imagine how much that is in today's money. Um, Of course, there were reruns. Uh, and those continued to earn him, um, what, like 80%, I think? Yeah, he, he signed a contract at 80% of those those wow. profits he got to keep. That's still nuts. Um, and just so you know, it was mostly a female TV audience. Uh, he captured the hearts of women. He just loved having uh, so much attention. And these women just loved his, the way, his style, his over-the-topness, his... Is ridiculous craziness, which is funny. I mean, I, you look at even rock stars of that day. Uh, you go to the sixties and seventies. I mean, we had Elvis and the Beatles, and yeah, rhinestones and ridiculous clothes, outfits, instruments on stage. You know, we kind of look at that today and go, "Oh, that's kind of weird." Let um, me tell you, this dude drew over thirty million like audience viewers at any one time. Wow! And he was receiving ten thousand fan letters a week. Wow. That's a lot of mail. I wonder if you actually, I mean, like, really, if you're making that much fan mail, which I know it's not a thing these days because of email and Twitter and Instagram and whatever, but I wonder how, if you're making 10,000 fan letters a day, um, you know, hitting your mailbox, PO box, your management, whatever, like, what does that look like? Do you just burn it? Where, where does it go? I mean, I mean, I mean a week, not a day, but 10,000 a week. That's ridiculous. Yeah. Oh my goodness. I mean, you could fill up an entire landfill just in fan mail. That, I wonder, like, I mean, what is money in some of those? Or <laughs> you've got to be. There are weirdos. Okay, Jake, you and I play in a band, and we've played in bands before. And when you meet people, fans, the ones that are, have enough courage to talk to you, right? There are some that are shy, and that's fine. But there's some that you meet, and you're like, "Whoa, that that's a human. That's a real human. You that, exist. That's a weird human. <laughs> and it doesn't happen very often." Who let you out? Do they know? Do they know you Are got you out? Allowed to be out right now? <laughs> um, adults, children, whatever, it doesn't matter. But there are some weird people out there. And imagine at that time, ten thousand letters a week. There've got to be some really interesting words on some paper there. Oh my gosh! Uh, yeah, yeah, they exist. I mean, they, unless they were burned, they exist somewhere. Fun fact: Liberace was one of the first to be shown on British commercial television in the fifties on Sunday afternoons. And now we get to where things start to get interesting because... Because of that, um, and I don't know why, if it's particular to the British commercial television or what it was, but uh, homosexual men started finding him appealing. Very appealing. I mean, he was glamorous. He wore the rhinestones. He wore the brightly colored things and was over the top performing. Um, But he was also the first gay person that Elton John had ever seen on television, and he became his hero. Wait, Liberace was gay? Well... That's a whole nother topic we're going to have to get into in a minute. Uh, till the day he died, he denied any kind of homosexual activity, hmm. including some lawsuits that were involved that for libel that said he was, that he won. So pause on that. But yeah, Elton John saw him on TV and said, that's who I want to be. And we all know who Elton is these days. He, and I think he did a, a that, fabulous job. <laughs> spectacular even. <laughs> So, uh, uh, Liberace, he was a devout Catholic, had always been a devout Catholic. In fact, he even met Pope P- Pius? 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 Yeah, I don't know. That sounds right. I don't uh, know. I'm not Catholic. The 12th, uh, a highlight of his life, and he would he would declare proudly. For not being a Roman, Jake, you nailed those numerals. It would. I, I'm up on the Roman numeral uh, jargon. I think I could get to 20, and that's about it. And then... <laughs> 
there's the M's and stuff for like hundreds or thousands. Or, I don't, yeah. yeah, I could get to a hundred. I wouldn't know beyond that. Yeah, and then I'm done. Um, so in 1960, he performed at the London Palladium with Nat King Cole. That's and Sammy, iconic. And Sammy Davis Jr. Yes, the Palladium is that. See, that would be my. That's your Madison Square Garden? That's my Madison Square Garden. I'd take either one of them, really. Um, so this was the first televised command performance, uh, now known as the Royal Variety Performance for Queen Elizabeth II. That's really cool. Man, she's been the queen for a long time. <laughs> um, back on November 22nd of 63, he suffered renal failure. That's uh, kidney failure. Yeah, reportedly from accidentally inhaling excessive amounts, get this, of dry cleaning fumes. <laughs> from his newly cleaned costumes he was in a pittsburgh dressing room and he nearly died so silly as that sounds those i mean those the chemicals that they oh, yeah that they use anyway to dry clean but then let's rewind 40 50 years and and uh you know you didn't have the fda all over everything making sure that it's all safe and or ways kosher. to test it even yeah very true but uh it was told by doctors that his his condition was actually fatal so he began to spend all his money, just blowing wads of cash by buying extravagant gifts for coats, for uh, ne- uh, what are those things fur called? Necklaces. <laughs> fur necklaces. That's a weird thing to have, but he'll he probably had some those uh, the scarves, the fur. What just they're just called I know furs? What you're talking right? about yeah, fur. Yeah, that's the things they go around your neck. The furs. I don't know. Whatever. Uh, jewels and even a house um, for some of his friends, but then recovered after a month. <laughs> like, oh, never mind. You're good. <laughs> He's like, oh, crap. JK, LOL. <laughs> Can I get my house back? <laughs> so, uh, of course, this, I think any, you know, we all know the song, Live Like You Were Dying. If yeah. you don't, you should look it up. It's a good song. But Great song. So he was completely re-energized uh, and he returned to Las Vegas to go even bigger and better than before. Man, another one of those big resurgences. So, uh, yeah, costumes became more exotic. Think ostrich feathers, think mink and capes and like huge rings on every finger. Entrances and exits even more elaborate, uh, chauffeured on stage in a Rolls Royce or dropped in on a wire like Peter Pan. You can see both of those illustrated in the Behind the Candelabra movie that we um, that we had seen before. Yes. Um, the choreography was more complex, involving chorus girls and cars and animals and limos and stuff like that on stage. Like a live band and everything. That's so ridiculous. Like a, like a little mini orchestra behind him. That was a thing. Like That was popular. And I don't know how they made any money. I don't know if just people were spending more money on entertainment um, I mean, I, I think about this. You couldn't just go. I mean, a movie theater was rare at that time still, you know, for a while. So anyway. I guess that's where all the entertainment dollars were going because uh, you and I played in a three-piece band and with our buddy Justin Forshaw. And I mean, getting people to pay for three people to fly to play a 45-minute set is like pulling teeth sometimes. Oh, yeah. So, I, I mean, we've got 40 people in our orchestra plus a band leader and a composer. And uh, we've got all our team and our costumes and all that stuff hey liberace hey libs hey you want to come do this show for exposure <laughs> it'll be really good for the instagram <laughs> just tweet us tag us whatever uh so the uh, 70s and 80s came around and he remained major box office attractions at both the las vegas hilton and lake tahoe where he earned 300 grand a week that makes sense why he was because i was thinking 70s and 80s still the highest paid uh entertainer in the world 300 grand a week. I mean, if you're playing like casinos, which is kind of what he was doing pretty much, playing a hotel in, in uh, Lake Tahoe and stuff, that's a lot of money, man. Well, I mean, he, he kind of did the thing. The thing that I think every major entertainer hopes to do, which is he retired with a, with a regular show in Vegas. I, I, that's the goal. Once, you, once you're done on the big stages. You your residency. To, and Yeah, you stay still and still play the stages. The people come to you. 
Um, so let's talk about his music recordings because he was a musician. Um, he had to have had some recordings besides just doing all these live shows. Uh, from 1947 to 51, that four-year period, he recorded 10 discs. I say discs because, I mean, it could be albums, LP, you know, wax vinyl, that kind of thing. Wow, that's, uh, I just realized that's only a four-year span. That's more than two a year, sir. That's a lot. Uh, by 1954, it jumped to nearly 70 discs and sold over 400,000 albums. So that's seven years from 47 to 54, right? Yeah. yeah. Seven years, seven, eight years-ish. Uh, 70 discs. So 10 a year averaging. That's ridiculous. Uh, so his most popular single was Ave Maria. Obviously not an original. Um, but he sold more than 300,000 copies of it. Of a cover song. Wow. Well, what else can uh, you say about that, really? <laughs> in his life, he received six gold records. Which is impressive. That's good for anybody. And I would say platinum is most impressive, but when you're p- popping out 10 discs a year, the fact that any of them sells over 100,000 alone is insanely impressive. Maybe he intentionally wanted to keep them at gold records, knowing his style. This is true. He was really big into gold. This is true. We'll talk about that in a Platinum minute. was not as flashy. Here's the part where things start to get a little shady. <laughs> so uh, there were lawsuits and stuff. Let's just talk about this. In 1956, an article in the Daily Mirror by columnist who went by the name Cassandra, Cassandra, depends on how you want to pronounce it, if you're really fancy or just a normal dude. Um, but his real name, <laughs> writing as Cassandra, his name was William Connor. And he described Liberace as, and I'm going to quote here, the summit of sex the pinnacle of masculine, feminine, and neuter. Everything that he, comma, she, and it can ever want. A deadly, winking, sniggering, snuggling, chromium-plated, scent-impregnating, luminous, quivering, giggling, fruit-flavored, mincing, ice-covered heap of mother love. Hi, this is Seth Mosley, and I got a huge announcement for all of you songwriters out there. The Song Chasers commercial songwriting course is now available, and you can get it for a special deal at turneduppodcast.com slash Seth, just like my name, S-E-T-H. This is a comprehensive course in commercial songwriting for anyone who wants to be a part of writing a hit song. Again, go over to turneduppodcast.com slash Seth. Everything you need to know about commercial songwriting, turneduppodcast.com slash Seth. End quote. Whoa. A description which strongly implied that Liberace was homosexual. So now, 1956, he's killing the game. Yeah. He's huge. Yeah, he is the name. And also 1956... Being a homosexual in any circle... Absolutely not. ...could be the end of your life. Yeah, you can't. Especially in show business. I mean, there are things you can and can't do, things you can and cannot be seen doing. Um, I mean, in 56, I don't think you could even be shown wearing a two-piece bathing suit on television. I was going to say, I know on TV, the husband and wife um, had to sleep in separate, separate beds. Yeah, the, the, the Brady Bunch thing, that was starting to come around in the 60s. Uh, late 60s, I think. And they were actually in the same bed um, eventually. So that's kind of cool. That was scandalous. And uh, Mike Brady, um, boy, I can't remember his name, but actually ended up being a homosexual. Oh, wow. Yeah, that was weird for me. So Liberace sent a telegram after this came out and doesn't sound like this was slanderous. Sounds like the guy was just being excited to, just, you know. Just explaining what he saw, which yeah. nobody knew what they were looking at, really. <laughs> like when Lady Gaga comes out wearing crazy stuff, you're like, what in the world is that? Yeah. I mean, we all know that she's very talented now, but anyway. 
So, uh, Mr. Liberace sent a telegram that read, quote, what you said hurt me very much. I cried all the way to the bank. (laughs) And Uh, then what? (laughs) And he then sued the magazine for libel. Well, uh, he testified in a London court that he was not homosexual and that he had never taken part in any kind of homosexual acts. Well, that's, um, so he, his feelings were hurt and he said, I am not gay and, uh, I've never done anything like that. So I'm going to sue you. So he did that. And he actually won the suit partly on the basis of the author of that article's, um, use of the derogatory expression, quote, fruit flavored. Really? Yeah. I mean, a lot of, a lot of that whole, um, civil court case was contingent on the fact on if the author knew or not that that fruit was a um derogatory or uh what was it derogatory derogatory yeah it's uh, a yeah a term for homosexual in the united like states slang, yeah. because he was a london author and that was more slang in the u.s than it was over in london so the the whole thing was did he know that did he have access to that information to know that what he was saying and once they determined that he did know that that's how he won that case wow liberace of course well, after a three-week civil trial, a jury ruled in Liberace's favor uh, on June 16th, his favorite month, 1959. That was why his favorite month. And awarded him 8,000 pounds, which is uh, a lot the, of weight at the time. <laughs> uh, I'm not sure if it's at the time or if yeah, it's today's at the time. money. That, that's at the time. At the time? Mm-hmm. Okay, so at the time, that was $22,400, which the dollar and pound are not that yeah, far off which anymore. But these days would be about 170,800 uh, pounds. Four hundred eighty-eight thousand dollars. Man, the pound has inflated a lot. I mean, pun intended, and also not intended. Just pun in general. Um, So that led Liberace to repeat the catchphrase uh, to reporters: "I cried all the way to the bank." Yeah, and that is uh, why he, why he. That's uh, why he cried there. Well, that's why he adopted, took it from laughed all the way to the bank to cried all the way to the bank. That's what changed it. So uh, Liberace fought and settled a very similar case to that in the U.S. against uh, the publication Confidential. Which uh, he also, you know, won that one as well. Uh, well, settled that one, but for the same reasons. Just they were calling him homosexual, and he's like, "I've never done anything like that. I'm not. Stop calling me that. Pay me money." So, do you think that it's because, just in your opinion, Robert? Do you think that it's because he was Liberace, and like everyone's kind of like, like easy target? No, 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 no. I meant the reason he he kept winning these. Oh, because um, it's one thing to just say, "Hey, take that down." Uh, it's another thing to actually sue and win or settle, you know, like a, like a financial suit. Um, well, you can sue anybody for anything at any time. Okay. So with that being said, it does take money to sue somebody. Someone has to pay for it, whether the the attorneys that are on your side agree to eat that cost and and only get paid when you win or if you have to pay that up front, so the court costs and the, the cost of retaining an attorney and all that stuff. Um, when you have millions of dollars and are one of the highest paid entertainers in the world, uh, it's easy to open a lawsuit against somebody who might not have that money and why you might settle out of court to, quote, win. But being Liberace, I'm sure, didn't hurt much. I mean, it, libel is one of those things which is hard to prove, and it's hard to win because you have to have proof that that's going to damage your, your, um, yeah, your persona, your, your public, you know, the way you your look. Your public image. Yeah. So yeah, like so, libel is like uh, like defamation of character. Right? Exactly. So 
if, if he's out there on stage, you know, singing, wearing glittery things, he can do that. Anybody, straight or not straight, porpoise or porcupine or paperclip, whatever Guy Gilchrist said, um, <laughs> whatever you are, you whatever you are, you can wear that. But he definitely was a character, and and you can't accuse somebody of being something especially if they're in the spotlight a lot, you can't just start saying you are this or you are that. I mean, at the time that may have been derogatory sure. because now it wasn't as openly accepted at all by any means as it is now. Um, and I'm not even saying now it is that openly accepted, but, but then it definitely was not. So to call somebody something like that or something that off the beaten path, yeah, it might be easy to win that regardless of who you are. Um, but he also, he also had a persona in a public image to uphold. Sure. Well, I mean, his whole empire depended on it. and Yeah, he built that. He built that on purpose with being over the top and really bright and shiny. So to bring that down, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He had, he had a public image to uphold and that could have influenced it, especially with how many female followers he had that were all over him. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Especially if that was a, a large share of his market, you know, you're going to lose two thirds of of your fan base the second that word gets out that, you know, yeah, yeah, that you're not into that. Um, Before we get into this next lawsuit, there's another one here that's pretty big and pretty interesting. We need to explain who this gentleman is. Yes. So, Scott Thorson, the guy we referenced at the beginning of the podcast, is. <laughs> we should probably paraphrase some of the relationship let's just sum it up okay let's just let's just shoot from the hip here we're going off script this could go crazy scott thorson uh was working as an animal caretaker on movie sets right had a, had a rough upbringing um had a friend named bob hey bob hey bob bob was a personal friend of liberace's and they went and saw him wound up backstage after a show just saying hello Sure. And that is how uh, Mr. Thorson met Liberace initially. And from there... uh, So Liberace seemed to take a liking to Scott. And this was not uncommon for Liberace to do, as at the time, uh, there was a gentleman named Jerry O'Rourke, who... uh, who was the last guy that Liberace had taken a liking to. Liberace had taken some likings to him. And he was, what, his his protege, I guess. Yeah, and the way Liberace was trying to sell uh, that position was kind of intern, assistant, someone to talk to, keep him company, take care of the animals, get a medicine, help with costumes, like... Just a fill-in-the-blank person, yeah. but it happened to be a certain style of human. Right. And so this James, and if you happen to watch the movie, uh, I think they call him Billy, um, was under contract. And turns out the contract, he was married and had children. And the the one condition of the contract was that he had to leave his wife and kids behind um, mm. to join this life of show uh, with... Um, Mr. Showman, another one of his, his <laughs> another nicknames. nicknames. Yeah, um, and moniker uh, he picked up along the years. And so, in typical uh, Liberace fashion, as as we kind of start to see this pattern, he lets uh, he lets the last guy go, and then hires Scott or Scotty. Hey, Scott, Scott. <laughs> um, yeah. So Scott steps in and 
under a little bit of hesitation. 20 years old, mind you, in 1977-ish? Yeah, yeah, 77 was when they met. So, yeah, around there. So 1919 to 1977 is 58 years old, and Scott is 20. Well, that's an interesting relationship. So old enough to be his dad. Old enough to be his dad, and also Scott did not grow up with his dad or his mom. He was in a um, foster home, right? Or His with- mom would kind of pop in and out uh, when she wasn't on drugs or in jail or whatever. Yeah, that's unfortunate. And uh, so rough rough childhood, and then along comes a guy old enough to be his dad. With millions of dollars. Wants to and, take care of him. And living the lifestyle. So he's like, come on the road with me, live in my mansion, whatever. And so Scott's like, uh, that's weird, but okay. And this lasts for what, a couple of years? Yeah, it goes on for a while. Um, and... Okay, so it gets weird here. Now, let's preface this by saying uh, the source of a lot of this information is Scott Thorson himself. Who is still alive. Who is still alive and is in jail right now. Out in Vegas. For, uh, what, theft? So he had probation from some little things like theft of credit cards or he had credit cards that had been stolen. He was using them, using a fake name. Um, And some other things that... uh, he was on probation for and violated the probation with other things and was found to be on meth and then was tested two other times and found to be on meth. And then, uh, so eventually they just put him in jail. And he also, yeah, drugs. Um, so as far as how honest is he? Uh, well, there's a questionable character, you know, questionable amount of his character there just because, I mean, you're a, a druggy thief that's in jail you're taking his story and he has no one to counteract it because the other uh liberace's not with us anymore and i don't think that's a surprise it's not a big bomb to drop right now but um he can't rebut it and he can't go that's not how at all it was but right. we're taking scott's word for it and that's that's they made a movie about it yeah and that's has and again matt damon and michael douglas michael douglas rob lowe's in it and there's some other names you'll recognize once you see it but uh, yeah, and movies are movies. They can kind of write themselves however they want to, but a lot of this seems to fall in line with our research. I mean, it does. pretty close. And the part we're about to get into, uh, which is in the movie, um, I found did not come from the book, but actually came from the transcripts themselves. There's a lot of direct quotes in the lines of the movie right out of the transcript. And I don't know if you caught it, Robert, but on the movie, it shows the the um, uh, the transcriber. Yeah, the transcriptionist um, typing. They make it a point to show her typing it out so there would be a record of it. That's cool, man. Um, So there's a couple more um, nutshell things we should probably bring into this about uh, the relationship that Liberace had with Scott. All right. So it started off for like 10 minutes as a professional relationship. Uh, not even that long, probably. I mean, Liberace... And that's literal. That's it, not... His his <laughs> thing is, I mean, to surround himself with people he wants to be surrounded with. And a lot of... Um, I don't want to say a lot of. I don't want to characterize or, you know, um, pigeonhole people. But uh, a lot of celebrities or celebrities, there are celebrities. Uh, when you get to a certain level of power or used to people bending over backwards to do whatever you want... They, it's easy to get an ego and it's easy to start picking and choosing what you want around you and who you want around you, um, the type of people. And if you don't want them around you, you tell them to leave. So when you're in the presence of someone like that, 
just that them having that kind of mentality and attitude makes you want to be a people pleaser, makes you want to be one of those people because you want to be included. Um, And so human nature wants people to, I mean, you want people to enjoy your presence. If that person says you, you go, yeah, what? Yeah, me. Yeah. So that's kind of how Scott was with Liberace. Um, Liberace said, hey, you. And Scott's like, I don't know about this. Um, He's like, yeah, come on. One of the most famous people in the whole world. Yeah, calling your name and saying, I want you to tour the world with me. He takes a romantic interest in Scott and Scott eventually in Liberace. Liberace starts saying, I want you as a lover, a son, a friend, all of the things, and said, I want to adopt you. Again, this is a 20-something-year-old dude, 20, 21 at the time, maybe. And he's like, I want to adopt you. So that's like saying to someone you're romantically involved with, I want to be your lover and your dad or mom, depending on if you're a female or male. (laughs) Okay, that's already jacked up. So not only that, and they're start living together. And I mean, I don't know how much Scott's really doing job wise for Liberace, but but definitely meeting other needs for him. And <laughs> Liberace comes to him one day and says, "Hey, I want you to meet with Doctor. I can't remember his name. Um, a plastic surgeon." And oh, this is so weird. He has it all laid out, and I had the instructions already given to the doctor to tell Scott that he's going to get plastic surgery to look just like Liberace. So now he wants to adopt him as his son. He wants to be his lover and he wants him to look like himself. Which I encourage every single one of you, Google, here's his name, Scott Thorson. T-H-O-R-S-O-N. And then Google Liberace. L-I-B-E-R-A-C-E. Liberace. Liberace. Google them and look at them and how similar they look. And so creepy. In the film, and I don't know if this is documented anywhere in real life, but in the film, they they say that Scott says to the plastic surgeon right before going under, do you think I can get a dimple put in my chin? And he goes, well, Liberace doesn't have one. And he goes, I know, but it's my face. He's like, uh, he goes, just a small one. I guess we could do that. And then Scott's like, wait, do you think he'll be mad that I don't look just like him? And like, hmm. So he has so a little bit weird. of a dimple. I, can you imagine? I can't imagine. I can't. The, the mentality behind that. I want. So essentially, he wants to be in love with himself. Yep. And his son, which is also looking just like himself. I don't, that's weird. It's just so weird. This guy is jacked up in the head. So, <laughs> so yes. Hello, man who is 25 years younger than me. More than 25 years. Half his than age. Me. More than half his age. Less than half his age. More numbers less his age whatever be my lover let me adopt you as my son and go ahead and let me pay for you to have plastic surgery so that you look just like me Uh, it's so weird and he did it he got the plastic surgery and he did all of it and it worked not that people thought that he was liberace but they definitely asked all the time and this is documented hey is is liberace your dad are you his son because they looked so similar just you know half the age of the other one so we get into this lawsuit. And Wait, there was what? a lawsuit? You mean that that didn't all pan out perfectly <laughs> That wasn't and wonderfully? just roses and bowls of cereal? They didn't live happily ever after? Well. No unicorn farts? I don't get it. I, maybe. There might have been unicorn farts. Uh, Liberace had a way of doing all sorts of interesting things. However, in 1982, one year after 
my wife graced this earth with her presence. Um, and technically myself, as according to my birth certificate. However, I we, think they got the first two digits wrong. They, they put wrong two century. digits in there. Yeah. Wrong century. I was born in the year 82. Um, just the year 82. Yeah, it was just 82. Not BC or AD or anything. Just 82. It was just a thing back in the day. Um, Scott Thorson, Liberace's 22-year-old former chauffeur and live-in lover of five years we were just talking about, sued him for $113 million dollars. I'm not going to say in alimony, but palimony <laughs> after he was let go by Liberace. So Liberace got mad, fired him because he wanted a new play toy, um, if you want to call him that, a new chauffeur and pet sitter and friend and confidant. As he would do. I mean, he, he already ruined this guy's life. I, I say ruined because he made him look like himself. Um, everything else is whatever it is. But he made this guy, this kid, with three-fourths of his life ahead of him, Forced him, I can say force, he did it, but made him look like himself with plastic surgery and then kicked him out and said, never mind, I'm on to my next boy toy. Um, so yeah, kicked him out, let him go. And they continued, in the meantime, Liberace continued to like completely deny that he was homosexual. Vehemently. And, and, and during uh, his actual court depositions in 1984, he insisted that Thorson was never his lover. So naturally, <laughs> they settled out of court. Right. Uh, in 1986, so that lasted a long time. It was yeah, a four-year yeah, ordeal, well, right? 82 to 86. Um, uh, Thorson actually only received $75,000. Wait, sued for $113 million and settled for $75,000. Well. That's a huge difference, man. Huge difference. Um, plus, he, he did get three cars and three dogs worth another 20000 The dog's worth twenty grand Because I'm thinking the car's worth a lot more than that. So, uh, and there were, there were reasons why he only got that much. It wasn't. Please share that because only $113 million of 75 grand sounds like someone lost. Well, Thorson says that he settled, uh, because, and he said this after Liberace's death, that he knew Liberace was dying and, um, and that he could essentially flip the goods after Liberace's death for As more money being owned by Liberace or that kind of stuff. That makes sense. Uh, they call it conversion of property. Yeah. It's called flipping. Um, yeah. And actually later attested that Liberace was a boring guy in his private life and mostly referred to spending his free time, uh, cooking and decorating and playing with his dogs. And that he also, and this is an interesting fact, never played the piano outside of his public performances. But I get that. I, I do too. I've been playing guitar since I was six years old. I took lessons. I played every day. I spent all my teen years, eight to 12 hours a day, playing guitar all day long in my bedroom. That's a lot of hours. And uh, and yeah, I do play still for my job, uh, but not nearly as much as I did when I was trying to learn. And now I, you know, now we play on stage. So, I mean, I can understand kind of getting burnt out. Yeah. And according to Scott, he actually um, said that Liberace had several decorated ornamental pianos, like very tricked out gold laced pianos and pearl inlays and all that kind of stuff in various rooms of his house, but he never played them, but he had a piano in so many rooms. Wow. I mean, I, I get it. Um, and side note, Liberace kind of had a lot of endorsement deals and a lot of sponsorships and people wanted to give him things. And he was quoted one time as saying, if people want me to like tuna, I'll like tuna. Like saying, <laughs> they want to send me a piano, I'll like this piano. If they want to send me whatever these jogging shorts are, I'll tell everybody I love these jogging shorts. 
Um, he was an opportunist that in that manner, but uh, yeah, had tons of endorsement deals. Got to make that money. And he had the money. And the more money you have, sometimes the more people want to give you things. Isn't that so weird? It's so weird. And okay, and first, first-hand experience, I can say that some, with my, some of my clients that I spent some time with that have a lot, a lot, a lot of money, um, hanging out with them in social interactions and in social atmospheres, they have all the money in the world to spend. More than enough. More than enough for a whole neighborhood. But people want to give them things for free or not charge them for things. So the more money you have, the less you spend, which makes you have more money. That's crazy. It's it's just weird. I'm, I'm, and then I would see like one of my um, clients haggle over a $30 taxi fare and in the meantime spend three grand on dinner. Wow. Right after we get out of that $30 taxi. <laughs> I'm like, weird. Very weird to me. Pick your battles. And that's not one of them. <laughs> so Liberace died, right? I think so. He's not alive anymore. So I think, could be wrong. I think that means that he's dead. If you listen to one of our podcasts from this season, you might find that he's hanging out with uh, Elvis and Tupac. I'm just kidding. There's no conspiracies <laughs> about him still being alive. He's dead. <laughs> so um, if you if you were to have been alive at the time, um, like my friend Robert. Hello. Um, then actually I was alive at the time. Um, <laughs> so little baby Jackie, I was a little baby. If you happen to be watching the news at the time, then you may have been told he died of cardiac arrest. If you have Wikipedia him, then you have read that he died of pneumonia. There are so many things that this guy died of at the same time, but there's a little bit of conspiracy here, though. There's a little bit of conspiracy, and Mr. Liberace had a lifestyle and uh, that, that was conducive to a certain virus that was starting to um, spread in the United States it's in the 1980s. autoimmune deficiency virus. Uh, which A-I-D-S. 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 Yeah, that's unfortunate. Um, so even though Liberace never, to the day he died, publicly acknowledged the fact that he was gay. He further obscured his sexuality in articles like, <laughs> get this. So there's this article um, in Mature Women. The article is called Mature Women Are Best. Uh, and TV's top pianist reveals what kind of women he'd marry. <laughs> I mean, the simple article would be none. but <laughs> None women. But he he makes up a story and says the kind of things he likes. And he wanted to keep it elusive and wanted to keep that area gray on purpose because most of his fan base were women that thought they had a chance. It was weird. Anyway, so he never publicly acknowledged the fact that he was gay. And in a 2011 interview, actress and close friend Betty White, we all know who that is, one of the golden girls, uh, stated that Liberace was indeed gay and that she was often used as his beard. (laughs) That's a term you use for when you're gay, you have a female or opposite sex um, as a, a... a fake partner just to throw people off the scent for some reason or another. A beard. Yeah. Um, by his, so she was often used as, as that by his managers to counter public rumors of the musician's homosexuality. They just didn't want it going out because it would kill his career um, and just he'd lose his fans, all the female, not all, but a lot of the female fans that were in it to win it. Well, and just a little peek behind the curtain, it's not uncommon um, for for these celebrity engagements, even marriages, 
uh, but especially dating relationships to be completely uh, a farce, to be completely put together by managers, and uh, and that's a whole other podcast in and of itself. Um, but it's 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 very much a publicity stunt. Yeah, probably more than half the time whenever you get news that Justin Bieber is dating so-and-so. And in fact, speaking of uh, publicity stunts and Justin Bieber, Bieber has nothing to do with one, this one, but uh, Liberace's millions of female fans were actually outraged in 1953 when he announced his engagement to a particular starlet. And women all over the country sobbed and wrote letters of protest, and they were just pissed. They were mad. All these ladies were like, no, why would you do that? And then he immediately called off the engagement a few weeks later. <laughs> And uh, pretty much, generally speaking, was considered a publicity stunt. How funny! Like you know, he's like, "Well, I really got to try to cover my tracks here, so I'm gonna I'm gonna get engaged to a woman, and that'll really let everybody know that you know, no, he's not gay; he's engaged to a woman." And it backfired on him. <laughs> hey, before we get on to this next topic, real quick, and we're almost done. Stay with us. What? Just so you know, we're going to the podcast awards, the iHeart Music Podcast Awards, because we're nominated for the music podcast of the year. And we are extremely humbled and blessed that we're even considered or on that radar. Hashtag blessed, hashtag thankful. Hashtag Kanye, tweet me. Um, so Jake, you and I are going and we had a conversation this week or last week about what are we going to wear? We don't do this kind of thing. We our our outfit. We're wearing our, our outfit right now. It's black V neck and black jeans. What do we do? So we're like, do we, we there's going to be a red carpet. You had a beautiful idea. Yeah, and that's where I'm going with this. Just speaking of publicity stunts, what do you think? And you can tweet us or shoot us a message or whatever at Turned Up Podcast on Twitter or Instagram or Facebook.com forward slash Turned Up Podcast, whatever. What do you think about us wearing shirts that say award shows are rigged to the award shows? Is that something? I mean, I feel like that's a Turned Up Podcast thing to do. We, we, that's the whole epitome of what we do. We, we, we expose things that people aren't supposed to know. What if we show up to the award show that we're nominated for with a shirt on that says, uh, award shows are rigged. I think it's genius. And, and you had mentioned maybe like a vote for Pedro style shirt. Yeah. Like straight up looks like it's handmade type thing. I was picturing like a, like the, in the run DMC, just big block oh, letters that'd be cool we should do just that says award shows award are shows rigged. are rigged yeah part of me in my brain like fantasizing this whole what if we win thing and we have to get up there and do our our speech or whatever <laughs> nobody's gonna think we really won so if it says what if one of our shirts says okay i'll just use it this way for example mine says award shows are rigged and yours says he's lying or robert's robert's a liar something like that but there's a, a Velcro sticker in the same font that says not. So it could say Robert's not a liar, but my shirt says award shows are rigged. And then while we're up there doing our speech, I ripped the knot off your shirt and put it on mine. So it says awards are not rigged, but then your shirt says Robert's a liar. <laughs> so it says <laughs> the same thing both idea. times, no matter what. I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. We won. Let me take that knot. Award shows are not rigged, but now yours says Robert's a liar. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. That's like our personality. We're kind of just quirky and it, it sums up. I, what do you think? We want to know. Tweet us, Instagram us, shoot us a message if you don't want to be um, publicly retweeted because we, we do that a lot. Uh, and let us know what you think. What should we wear? Shoot us pictures if you're like, hey, this style would be cool with you guys. I don't know. I'm not into neon colors or anything. Uh, we wear all black. And I talked to a fashion designer um, and she said that she could design some 
custom coats for us. Um, but I don't have $5,000 a piece to do that. So uh, if you want to donate $5,000 for each of us to have a custom leather coat, we'll stick with the all black thing. But Liberace did. He had that kind of money. I am not Scott Thorson. Thank you very much. Uh, well, if you were, you probably would have would have gotten all that stuff after he died, right? Because uh, he was a son. He was adopted. <sighs> and and t- they talked about it, that how he was entitled to a lot of what he had. And it was in his will at the time. Except he forgot to sign the papers. Doop, bitty, doop, doop, doop. And that's why he only got 75 grand. That's so weird, man. All right, so Liberace was secretly diagnosed with uh, being HIV positive. We talked about that a minute ago. In August of 1985, by his private physician, his doctor that he had hired on staff uh, in Vegas, 18 months before he died. So he knew he had the HIV virus um, and AIDS uh, about a year and a half before he died. Um, Carrie James Wyman, his lover of seven years, was also infected and died in 97. So uh, another uh, another one of his lovers uh, named Chris Adler came forward after Liberace's death and claimed that Liberace infected him with HIV. Uh, Alder died in 1990 at the age of 30. 30, dude. That's I remember that like it was just a few decades ago. Um <laughs> So Liberace actually kept his terminal illness a secret until the day he died and did not seek any medical treatment um, or anything. And the only people who knew that he even had HIV and AIDS was uh, his family, uh, Scott New, and his uh, manager. So Liberace died of cytomegalovirus. Very good. Pneumonia. Yeah. Uh, as a result of AIDS uh, in the late morning of February 4th, 1987 in his home. February was his least favorite month. Least. <laughs> <laughs> the original cause of his death was originally attributed uh, to an anemia uh, due to a diet of only watermelon. And that's, you know, he wanted to try to keep his weight down. So he's eating lots of watermelon. So they say that a watermelon only has six to 800 calories. And it's mostly water, but I mean, there's some stuff there. But you're, the whole idea was to eat that as a meal. I mean, I could do it. I'd be hungry in an hour, but I would eat the watermelon. You wouldn't be thirsty. You'd be peeing a lot. Um, <laughs> I wonder what watermelon pee smells like. Let's, let's, let's find out. We'll test it. Please don't. Um, <laughs> people also said he had emphysema and heart disease, uh, all these things. In fact, um, the- oh, There was some controversy around this though. Right. The uh, the Riverside County coroner, per, uh, well, let's back up- um, I believe it was either anemia or a heart attack, cardiac arrest. Yeah, is what it said on his death certificate. Yeah, initially, however, um, because there were suspicions that he might have an infectious disease, uh, the state of California said no. The law is if there's any suspicion of any kind of infectious disease, we have to do an autopsy because all these people need to know if they've been infected with this virus. And it should be said that he was at this time already embalmed, so they had to take samples of his skin tissue and whatever was still there. Like, there was no more blood. There were no more fluids there for them to take and samples. So they had to cut off some skin. Anyway, go ahead. So the Riverside County coroner performed an autopsy and stated that, quote, a deliberate attempt had been made to hide the actual cause of death by Liberace's doctors, his manager, and Liberace's entire immediate family. That's ridiculous, man. Um, and it's through that autopsy that they discovered... Um, yeah, they found out that he had emphysema. Yeah, he had emphysema. He was a chain smoker, man. And a coronary artery disease uh, from, from the years of chain smoking. Um, but that the real cause of his death was pneumonia due to complications from AIDS. 
he was said to be worth a lot of money at that time. I know he was sued for $113 million by Scott before he died. However, um, they're saying his actual net worth at the time of death was $110 million, um, or a little bit more than that at the time of his death. Wow. That's more money than I've got in my bank account right now. It's like at least $3 more than I have in my bank account. Three or four, if you, yeah, ish. Inflation, Tuesday, times percentage of yield and things. Yeah, I'm, a little, I'm close. Price of eggs in China, no, always relevant. Yeah, uh, Bitcoin things. <laughs> <laughs> so before we wrap this up, let's talk about his awards. Yeah, we can't leave it on such a gloomy thing here. Uh, during his career, he actually earned two Emmy Awards. Which he liked to talk about a lot. He liked to talk about himself a lot in general, by the way. He was just that guy. Can you, I mean, you kind of start to get a sense of who Liberace was based off the stuff we're telling you. You start to hear like, okay, really flashy, really eccentric, really liked people knowing he was in the room and would, would never shy away from an opportunity to give you advice or even if he had room to talk or not, he would offer his advice. <laughs> he, was, he was that guy. He was the man in the room. Yes, uh, he won six gold albums and has two stars. Not on, one. On the Hollywood Walk of Fame. <laughs> I want a Hollywood Walk of Fame star. I don't want to say my name or anything. I just want to have a star that says this one belongs to Robert Venable. Well, let's just take a Sharpie when we're in Hollywood in a couple months and we'll get we'll each get a, a star. Which one are you going to claim? I don't know. There's some random ones there that don't have names on them yet. Yeah, they have them there like ready to go. They're like okay. placeholders. What if each of us, since there were two Liberace ones, we can each claim he doesn't need them anymore. We can each claim one of those. That's true. Okay. Yeah. He well, we're there. He we need to find us. He he might not. He might. <laughs> uh, he performed fifty six sold out shows at the Radio City Music Hall, uh, which set box office records a few months before his death. Yeah. He had an entire museum, which unfortunately closed in two thousand ten. But but. Liberace's cars are on display still, um, as well as one of his pianos. And uh, I think there's some costumes there and stuff like that at a place called the Liberace Garage located in Las Vegas. Fabulous. So spectacular. In 1978, the Guinness Book of World Records identified Liberace as uh, having the smallest cricket with a blanket when he jumped off the steps of the courthouse in, in Akron, Akron, Ohio. Ohio. Yeah, you, ph- you photographed that. I was there. Wait, but I... Hang on, I'm confused. I think that's weird. That's not what he got it for. Though. Oh, I need to put my glasses on. Yeah, it's right here. In 1978, Guinness Book of World Records identified Liberace as the world's highest paid musician. Did you know that over the 35-year period that he was actively performing um, professionally, like in the peak of his in his prime, his Amazon prime, um, he was averaging $5 million a year. Wow. Yeah, if you divide his income over the 35 years that he was he's making over 5 million a year for 35 years. That's a that's a good, you know, chunk of change. That's a an amazing chunk of change. Think of how many slurpees at Sonic, um those slushies you can get. Like the uh, real you could get the real fruit ones. Welcome to America. Oh, I saw I saw one of our America trucks on the way here tonight to the studio. Oh, nice. I say tonight. It might be this morning. Whenever we are listening, I mean you're listening to us right now. It that's when we did it. This is live. This is a live <laughs> podcast, always. If you come back and listen to it again, stop, because this is a lot of breath we're wasting doing this over and over again. And if you're listening to this on Thursday, happy Thanksgiving. Oh, that's right. That's this week. What are you, what are you doing for Thanksgiving? Tweet us a picture of you at your Thanksgiving table, um, and then make sure that you put your phone on the Turned Up podcast episode so people can listen to it while they eat and fellowship together. People will love it. In fact, everyone will sit in utter silence 
and just listen to our voices. You will be the favorite niece, nephew, son, daughter, husband, wife, grandmother, grandfather for doing this. And if you play Turned Up Podcast, you'll be the favorite, all of those at the same time. You'll be my favorite niece, nephew, father, son, spirit, Jesus. If, if you're Liberace, that's you're completely, the same completely person. possible. <laughs> we need to get back to Liberace, by the way. Um, so yeah, his, his stinking museum closed and he has that world record um set in 1978 for the highest paid uh musician which i'm sure has been broken by now i feel like it has to have been there are some really high paid musicians yeah i don't know if i don't know if inflation has to do with that or not i have no idea um like we said this uh this podcast we did a lot of research for it and we even sat together earlier and watched the movie again and we didn't hold hands we We, didn't hold hands we definitely didn't hold hands or cry at all during the thing um, but behind the candelabra, which is starring Michael Douglas and Matt Damon, you can see it on Amazon Prime right now, or lots of other venues. Um, if you have a Prime membership, it's included. If you don't, you might have to pay a couple bucks to rent it. But it's entertaining and interesting to see that there's someone that actually did this in real life. This and is a real story. If you like seeing Matt Damon's uh, uh, backside derriere, derriere, then uh, then this is a movie for you. And if you don't. It's still a good movie, but you'll have to look at his derriere. Several times. You see his nipples a lot, um, which is interesting in different ways. Yeah, this mm. is weird. Anyway. It's not, not something I really noted. I, I made a note. So approximately four minutes and 13 seconds in, <laughs> six minutes and 18 seconds in. Oh, this is going to be a long 22 minutes and 14 seconds in. Oh, wait, there was a break that minutes, long. 27 minutes, 28 <laughs> minutes, all at the 10 second mark. Then we go to a period, this is when I use the restroom of 10 minutes um, in between, and then you go to the 32-minute, 14-second mark. I'm just kidding. I, I, I ran out of minutes. Oh, man. So I told you it wasn't going to be boring. I told you. Liberace is the opposite of boring, and he is the... It's so the, intriguing, man. The originator, I think, I, I think it's safe to say we have him to thank for the glitz and glam of Elton John... Um, I know that he was a big influence on Lady Gaga as well, and just kind of the 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 um, the big Vegas over the top, glamorous, shiny rhinestone um, sort of uh, performances that we see in pop today. Um, by the way, Elton and uh, Ms. Gaga, tweet me. Um, okay, here, Jake, check this out. Every time we do a podcast, we start naming all of these uh, new patrons for the month and all this kind of stuff. But the list is getting kind of large, and which is great. Thank you for supporting us. And that's how we even caught the attention of iHeartMusic um, Podcast Awards. So uh, we, we appreciate that, and we appreciate your support. But I, we just, I, I don't want to name all of them right now again. So I'm going to randomly scroll... And we're going to give a shout out to, oh, we actually actually shouted this one out before. Katie Mouse, hello. Thanks for being one of our featured patrons. And one more scroll. I went all the way to the bottom for this one. This is going way back to April Josiah Nosbaum. Thanks for being one of our patrons. And if you want to be one of our patrons um, and get behind the scenes photos, behind the scenes, uh, you can get all sorts of things. We actually uh, had... Jennifer Walter come into the studio and sit with us while we recorded one of these um, podcasts. And she did the intro to one of our podcasts. Um, but if you want to be one of these patrons and there's tons of things you can choose from, just go to turnedupodcast.com and in the upper right-hand corner, click on become a patron. 
choose what you want. Choose your prizes, your goodies, your loot, your booty, whatever you want to call it. Pick the best booty. That's your only chance you get to choose your booty. And uh, yeah, you can get it. You can become one of our patrons. You get to help support the podcast, keep us in your ear holes, as well as hang out with us anytime you're in Nashville. Um, if we're available and doing a podcast, you're welcome to sit in. Uh, you can record an intro. You can get a cool coffee mug. I think we tweeted a picture of that sometime this week. Um, we have stickers. I'm looking at one right now in your recording studio. There's all sorts of really ridiculously cool things, which I'm sad I don't get to keep many of them because we have to give them away. But um, yeah, and it's it's as simple as just five bucks a month. You can do something like that uh, just to help us out. Yes, and if you give us uh, $5,000 a month, we will let you record your own podcast. And we'll, we'll watch. And we'll watch. <laughs> But seriously, thank you so much to our, our patrons, all of you. Um, you you keep us going from month to month. You've allowed us to grow and expand, and we we are continuing to grow and expand. Um, and you've taken us to uh, Los Angeles, Hollywood. We're uh, going on the road where we're gonna where we're gonna go attend the iHeart Music Awards. And actually, the funds Podcast from awards. Uh, yeah, our our patrons are what's paying for our, our flights and our hotel and our food while we're traveling out there to see if maybe fingers crossed we win an award, our first award. It's, it's still, this could be a thing. Still hard for me to believe. I know. There's no way, man. With with our competition, I say competition, with the people we are associated with and the other five podcasts in our group, in the music of the music podcast of the year group, it's like, we listen, we're fans of those podcasts. Uh, we're going to vote for them, <laughs> which by the way, you can vote for us five times a day and it's free. You don't have to give a credit card number or anything weird or sign up for newsletters. Um, but I vote literally, shameless plug. Every day, I put five votes in our account. Um, just go to iheartpodcast.com and uh, you can click on. I'm going to do it right now. I already did it today, so it might not let me. You can oh, vote I, now at the very top. Oh, I have done mine today, yeah. And then um, you go to the music category. Boom. It even reminds you vote five times a day per category. You go down to turned up podcast, click vote now, confirm vote. Type in your email address. If you don't have an account, you can associate your like Facebook account or whatever, or just create an account with the email address and make up a password. Here's my favorite part of this. Go ahead. Uh, so I always click log in with Google. Okay, I don't even do that. Um, cool idea. I well, I I thought it made me. I just type in my Gmail address. Oh well, yeah. I, I, well, mine's it does it. I mine's see it on my browser. Yeah. Huh. Uh, so it says cast cast votes. And it takes me to this little thing that says, would you like to receive the emails? And it's right there next to cast your vote. So you click no. Unless so you, you want them. No. You unless, can, you, unless you want them, of yeah, course. If it's your um, thing. But I, I just, they're not, they're not trying to trick you into It's into not in some small, five, small, fine print. Yeah, it's right there. I've never gotten an iHeart uh, radio email. Nope. Um, you know, from their like, stay updated on the latest iHeart radio news. You haven't voted today. Are you sure you want to vote? Blah, 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 blah. No, nothing. Yeah, it's great. And then um, once you click vote, my favorite part is there's a button. So you don't have to do this five times. There's a button that just says cast four more votes. And, and you, you can, can do choose. It. Yeah, you can. If you're, if you're a trader and you want to vote for someone else in our category, <laughs> you can give us uh, three votes and give them two. Which is the gentlemanly thing to do. Or just give us all five by clicking the cast four more votes uh, for Turned Up Podcast, which I think uh, you, I, and my mom do every day. Um, no. um, yeah. And if you, have, if you have any input on what we should wear to the iHeart Music Podcast Awards, um, please let us know because we are struggling. If you own a clothing company or a merch company and want to send us some ideas, uh, like, hey, we would love to 
uh, to clothe you in our cloaks. We'll be like, okay. There really are. There's some amazing jewelry companies. Um, I love wearing rings and bracelets. It's my thing. Accessories. Yeah, there's going to be a red carpet, and I'm sure the question is going to be asked, who are you wearing? We're like, Levi? (laughs) 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 Levi Smith? H&M and Levi. That's my guy. Uh, no, but I mean, this is this is a, a huge red carpet event. It was actually just kind of sinking in for me just yesterday. That's ridiculous, man. Um, the same at the same location where uh, Billy Joe had his breakdown because he had to cut <laughs> his set short. That's Green Day. From had, Green Day, yeah. Had to cut their set short because of Justin Bieber, and he smashed his guitar on stage. It's, it's the same stage. This is the iHeart for the same organization. Yeah. The, uh, this is their first one. We are like, this is, imagine this being the first Grammys. We're the guinea pigs. Or whatever it is. We're, we're attending. We're nominated for the very first one. <laughs> A huge thank you for this episode uh, goes out to Real Sound Media. I want to thank all of the turkeys who gave their life for the meal that I will partake in on Thursday. Uh, and thank you, Robert, for lending your beautiful voice, talents, research, and this podcast idea to turn up podcast. And thank you, beautiful listeners, uh, for... Letting us borrow your ear holes. Yes. We uh, have nothing else to talk to other than you. And talking You're about our only friends. <laughs> ridiculous things. Um, thanks, Jake Jones, for um, editing and mixing this episode. And for all... For holding my hand during the Behind the Candelabra <laughs> video. And for showing me not one, but both of your nipples right now. Thanks for that. That's At the same time. That's very... That's a talent. That, is that what you consider a talent? Well, it's not not a talent. I'd call you very talented right now. (laughs) On that note. (laughs) Until next week. This is Nashville signing out. Peace.